On tonight's episode, we watched Escape from New York. York. Uh, glad to have you back in the studio, Devin. Yeah, it's been a long time. I was actually at work, and um, they mentioned that they had a podcast. I like how you said actually at work, like you'd never go to work. Well, it's it's been summer break, and I'm a I'm a college teacher, and uh, they mentioned that they actually had a podcast studio for students and faculty to work on projects. I'm not sure if I should ask. I think you should. I think that's a step up from uh, our current situation. How can I get excuse this as a as a faculty? <laughs> This is historic film research. <laughs> <laughs> right, for a film class I'm getting ready to teach. Yeah, exactly. A requirement will be listening to, to my podcast, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, this is vaguely historical, right? We talk about futures that didn't happen. I mean, we're talking about older movies, typically. Um, the, the setting That's that true. they were in. That's true. Like how the times of that, that setting affected the movie. We're also talking about Vincent D'Onofrio a lot. And I'm not a monster! Am I? Well, I mean, he just has an angry look at face. He does. So what's your history with uh, J.C. John Carpenter movies? Well, uh, I mean, I've seen a good bit of them. I wouldn't say as many as my brother has, but um, he has introduced me to a few. Escape from New York, L.A. Um, you the got fog, The Thing. The, the thing. Fog. Um, I never saw Prince of Darkness. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat where I, I don't think I had the chance to appreciate his greatness. He's a really underrated, I don't even know if I can call him underrated, but unsuccessful director. Yeah, and I, of course I've seen Halloween, but I mean, I, I, I think his ideas are so out there sometimes, Hollywood just doesn't want to give him the chance. And then, like, once they give him the money, like, they don't back it up with, like, more, like, either more money or marketing, and then yeah. he's kind of left. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, the only two movies I've seen that I didn't like were Ghosts of Mars and The Ward. And I, both of those I was Dude, not I forgot about with. Ghosts of Mars. Yeah, it did have Ice Cube or Ice T. Which one is it? I don't want to sound like a racist. I think it was Ice Cube. Ice T. Yeah, I don't think it was Ice. No. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know that was originally supposed to be uh, Escape, Escape from the Moon. No. It was supposed to be a sequel to the movie we watched for tonight. I'm not joking. No. No, 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 no. Ghost of Mars was supposed to be uh, a no, Kurt Russell you, movie. I think you're talking about no, the French director, Definitely right? not. Lupesson also stole a different script and produced uh, Escape from Space. Wait, hold on a second. I'm so not joking. So four planned Escape from movies well, and only got, did two of them? Uh, it's We were robbed of greatness. John Carpenter, get on this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you're a 70-year-old man who's bitter and, and, and has grown to distrustful and hateful of Hollywood. I know you went into depression as soon as the thing didn't perform to expectations, but guess what? It's my favorite movie, and that's why you should do more. <laughs> uh, you know you got a lot of Destiny 2 to play, but, uh, you know, chop chop. I don't play Destiny. No, John Carpenter. You're oh. not John Carpenter. John Carpenter plays a lot of Destiny too. Oh, Jesus, really? He does, yeah. Uh, and um, I, I've always thought that there is a certain video gamey aspect to a lot of his movies, and I think that Escape from New York just starts off very video gamey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the uh, protagonist. You're abducted. And you're told, hey, guess what? This is what you got to do. Sorry. Right. Yeah. The uh, the president has been abducted. Uh, do you remember this opening scene well? Because, uh, like, pri like the president actually being abducted? Or are you talking about Pliskin? 
No, the president being abducted because I there's a bit that I I was just cackling at. There's a moment early on where uh, they explain that they can't get into the cockpit for some reason and that the pilots are dead and that the terrorist is going to crash them into uh, a building. And uh, they get the president into the escape capsule and he just turns to what appears to be his cabinet and says, good luck, I'm sure it'll be all right. God save me and watch over you all. And like two seconds later, the plane crashes and they all die. I just thought that <laughs> he was... He just like gives them the like, eh, sorry. Be... No, but he's like, I, like you feel like he's saying, you'll be fine. You'll figure something out. <laughs> and they're clearly not. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, after you see like the government that runs the U.S., you right. kind of understand that he did not give a crap. <laughs> yeah, so the, the the president is played by Donald Pleasance, who I think, I think he's probably best known for playing Stan Loomis, the psychologist in... Halloween and a bunch of other uh, related media. Has he done multiple John Carpenter films? Then? Yeah, he's done. Uh, he was in a couple others. I can't recall, but uh, Loomis I always thought was great because he's he's clearly English, and in all of these movies he has to do an American accent. So he's the most the most British American president I've ever seen. I think it was very obvious towards the end of the movie the famous line that he says when he's like leaving the city. I'm not going to ruin it because I feel like it's more appropriate when we talk about it. But uh like you could kind of tell that British accent was coming out. It's pretty great. Yeah. Uh so they they then have Jamie Lee oh well before whatever. So Jamie Lee Curtis narrates a delightfully video gamey intro. Yeah, which is strange to me. Well, I think they were just friends at that point. Well, yeah, after Halloween you're kind of like, "Hey, uh do me solid now right. you're a celebrity." <laughs> uh and New York uh, has become a, a massive prison. See, the movie came out in 81, but in the year 1988, there was a 400% increase in crime. Which crimes? All of them. <laughs> uh, so you have no idea how much insider trading there was. Jaywalking? Four times as much jaywalking per capita. <laughs> uh, and Manhattan itself is a, is a uh, maximum security prison. Once you go in, you don't come out. Right, right. It's its own island. Yeah. And uh, Jersey itself, uh, once you move there, you can't move out. You know, actually, Jersey looks the same now that it did in the movie. It actually does. <laughs> <laughs> we even get a moment of, of two prisoners trying to leave via a raft, and a, and a helicopter just drops a bomb on them. Which is a little too much to me, but I yeah, thought, okay. Yeah, I really thought we were going to see them get strafed by miniguns, but no, they just had like a like a team rocket <laughs> bomb. Or like an Acme moment. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> All you're missing is if they looked at the camera and pulled out a sign that said, this is going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, once the president goes down, they get Snake Plissken, played by Kurt Russell, to, to go in Kurt after Russell. him. Yeah. Call me Snake. He's got an eye patch. Um, He's got a, a snake tattoo, I believe. A really tight-fitting shirt. Yeah. Always tight-fitting shirt. Yeah. A jacket. Shows the chest hair and his grimace look. <laughs> Always at 5 o'clock shadow somehow. Yeah, throughout the entire... Yeah, it's it's just a little... Throughout light. the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> and he's told uh, he's told that the, he has to get the president and uh, the president's magnetic tape. And he's got to get him out of the... Out, out in... What was it, like 24 hours or something? Yeah. It's it, it, it's basically... No, no, no. It's because of the poison, right? Right. It's 22 hours. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they... Because by the time they get him there, there's already uh, it's already started to work. So dumb. Why don't you just give him the unlimited amount of... Well, I guess it makes sense. Because they were like, hey, 22 hours, you know, our, our most expert person to go in there and actually get this shit done. Well, they can't they can't send in the real troops because uh, they the a bunch of a bunch of grunts have captured the president and say that if you send in the army, we'll we'll kill the president. Right. No, I do remember that. But at the same time, I'm just like. I get that. Well, he, would you would you have given Snake like 
Hey, Free reign. Text me if you, if you if you need some more time. Yeah. Here's a few bazookas. Here's all the thing you yeah. need. Take, Go it, take your sweet time, buddy. The president, don't worry about him. Yeah, I guess. It's just funny to me because, like, the reason they chose him is because he's, like, criminal scum, but the most trained. And also a special forces badass, right? Right. And then they're just like, but we got to call you somehow. We got to... We gotta make sure that you'll actually come back. So we're gonna inject you with poison. Right. What? what what's Plan B, sir? Let's uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lee Van Cleef plays Bob Hulk, who's the who's the prison warden of uh, of New York, and uh, right. I think he does a great job. I actually liked him a lot in this. Yeah. Yeah. Lee Van Cleef is such a cool guy, and he's he's always playing like bad guys and like the good, the good and the, bad. the ugly absolutely. man absolutely yeah i think he's got uh just a real smooth attitude for this well yeah i i think also just uh, he's like a stereotypical looking bad guy so like he always has like the, <laughs> right. the, the clenched eyes he's got the perfect <laughs> crow's feet you know it's just like really definition of a, a grimace look he absolutely has the villain look yeah uh so uh describe for me how snake gets into new york city we're going to launch them by air, Jeremy. Uh, just like, um, what's that thing they keep on referring to? They're like, just like when you f- flew over Moscow. And <laughs> yeah. I guess nuked in Moscow. <laughs> yeah, remember that uh, dark mission you had to do? Well, we're <laughs> going to do it again here. How about you glide on into the Twin Towers? Yeah, that's right. He lands in the Twin Towers. And the effect is really cool. Even though it's 81, they don't have CG imagery. They have all these, uh, I don't know how they did it. They must have like done something with models because it's all in wireframe and vector when he's landing. It looks right. really great. Yeah. Uh, once he lands there, he's uh, he's trying to find the president, and he goes to a weird theater. Did you know what was going on with this? I think it was just him trying to like establish contact, like a contact, right? Y- yeah, but like he he goes to Broadway because he's right. tracking the president via a life sign monitor. Right. And there's a bunch of crazy people just dancing on stage and a bunch more crazy people in the audience. Well, it's just jail, man. People are crazy. <laughs> so I guess just being in jail makes you crazy. Have you seen a jail? Um, only super jail. Well, there you go. I guess that's the best <laughs> example then. He finds an old homeless man, uh, and I loved this line. Why do you have the president's tracker? And the old homeless man's like, because I'm the new president now, right? Sure, I'm the president. I, I, I knew when I, I got this thing, I, I'd be president. <laughs> Hail to me. <laughs> uh, I loved that. When he can't find him there, he, he ends up going to... Uh, he gets rescued by a cabbie who's just called Cabbie. Is that really just his name? Yeah, Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, I remember Ernest. I just don't remember that just being his straight name. Can you tell me what his name was then? Checkmate. <laughs> no, he's... Oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> I think the real question is, how, how does he have a working taxi cab to ferry people around? And here's my actual question. How do they pay him? <laughs> yeah, ash, cash, grash, or, or, or blood. Nobody rides for free. Ernest <laughs> Borgnine just pulls out a Tech 9 and, like, <laughs> smiling hands it to a passenger. Yeah. I mean, like, come on, buddy, give me the cash. <laughs> like, what, what's cash going to do here? Yeah, there's no vending machines. <laughs> I mean, Ernest Borgnine in this movie is kind of a badass because the first thing he does while talking to Snake is he throws a Molotov at a bunch of crazy people. Like, it's just no problem. Yeah, it, it still doesn't make sense to me how, like, he exists in that world, though. Yeah, he makes the least sense because he takes him to Brain, yeah. someone that Snake knows from, from, like, a previous job. And Brain's thing is, like, he's a... Um, he, he knows how to make oil, 
and gasoline, and that seems like a pretty good role, but the cabbie appears to be a, a small businessman. Uh, I, I don't remember in Batman Arkham City, you know, remember that one mission where you just met, like, like a local local funhouse owner or, 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 you know, someone who's, like, got a bodega in the ruins of, the of like, the Harvey Dent Memorial Building? Jesus Christ. Are we just making a Batman reference right now? We're getting closer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that basically was Escape from New York. Yeah, it really was. Um, I mean, there's there's reasons though, because Escape from New York has a lot of great world building. Like everyone recognizes Snake, and they always say like, uh, what do they say? It was um. They always say his last name. No, they're uh, oh, they always say, "I thought you were dead." Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, no, wasn't that L.A. though? No, it was definitely both movies. Was it? Oh, right, because it was like a trope in the second movie. Right. Every single time Snake meets somebody, including a random woman who he makes out with uh, before getting eaten by cannibals, I guess, um, they always say, oh, man, Snake, I thought you were dead, implying not only do they know him, but, like, there was some mad national story where he died. I don't know. Well, I mean, he was, like, a government agent, so I guess, like, that could be publicized. Pretty popular government agent. <laughs> Do you go on a like? Do people have Jason Bourne fan pages in the Bourne franchise? Well, well, did someone write a book about him? Uh, I never saw the more recent Bourne movies. Does he go public? Does he have a book, <laughs> does he have a book writing career? And that's why he's not in that one Bourne movie. But everyone knows who Bourne is when they're in the movie. Oh, so that's like, true. So they're part of. Well, that see that that's kind of interesting. Either does way. that mean all of the people he interacts with has been in the deep? like cover world at some point in life <laughs> yeah every single person snake happens to see was also a government agent i guess yeah it's like oh i was the government agent cabbie yeah <laughs> i was a special forces cabbie <laughs> get him in get him out that's what they told me uh the, the cabbie takes him to to brain uh played by harry dean stanton of alien fame but uh, i'm sure other stuff too that i can't think of brain i ca- i kept thinking you said bran no he he's brain not bran yeah it sounded like you said brain the first time and that was like a little off on that yeah so anyway the character bran i guess left <laughs> no it's brain bran left uh let down snake at some point and snake extorts the location of the president from him well yeah he owes him one he does owe him one uh, but he warns him about the King of New York, played by Isaac Hayes. The famous old chef. <laughs> well, I mean, he was on more than South Park, but I think that's probably what a lot of our listeners are going to know. Yeah. I mean, Harry Dean Stanton was on uh, Twin Peaks, too. That's true. He he has a pretty varied career, and I'm sure Isaac Hayes does as well. Um, but uh, they get to... They rescue the president, uh, but they get captured really quickly after. In fact, once they rescue the president, I think it's like two seconds before they get recaptured. Is it like one? Like set it up for me. Is it like we got you? Let's go! And then an ambush just comes in. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Except they they appear to be in like a train yard or like a bunch of cars or something. Yeah, and, yeah. So Brain and his girlfriend Maggie, uh, yeah. they they get to live. The, the Duke of New York needs them alive, but the president they just dick around with. Have, do you remember this scene? Yeah, isn't this the uh, the Uzi scene? It is the Uzi scene. They yeah. have Kurt Russell's incredible gun. I love this scene. I think it's actually a really fun scene to see. Yeah. So his gu- his gun is like it's like an Uzi yeah. with like a six like a two foot long silencer on it. As well as like a red dot sight. And and a big ass scope. Yeah. But it's never silenced, so I think it's like a loudener. <laughs> Do they make those? 
Yeah, no, I don't think they do. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. And I also love how he uses his boot to like aim it sometimes. That's right. He's just like, here, how do I do this? <laughs> yeah, and uh, they're just fucking with the with the president. It's pretty great. My, my favorite bit in that scene is every time they take a shot, every no matter how far away it was uh, from, like he's trying to shoot off the president's briefcase. No yeah. matter how far away it was, the whole crowd just cheers, hooray! <laughs> well, he's the Duke. He is the Duke. That's true. <laughs> Snake has to fight in, a, in an underground. Like a cage match against some huge dude? It's like in a wrestling ring. I think it actually is like a boxing ring. It's got like yeah. the turnbuckles and everything. Yeah, it's great. And everyone's just cheering for him. Well, it's like arena style. Yeah. Because it's like everyone's there watching it. And uh, like, it's honestly almost like a, um, shoot, uh, Thunderdome. A little bit. It's got some Mad Max vibes. Yeah. Uh, because the moment that Snake wins, because of snor- course Snake Plissken wins, the whole crowd just instantly decides to cheer for Snake <laughs> yeah. instead. <laughs> like a, like a Fento <laughs> second later, they're like, ah, whatever. <laughs> Call to the new. Yeah, screw sl- Slag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even though he's kind of cool. Yeah, he looked like Zengi from Street Fighter. Wait, didn't he have like a bigger mustache? No, I, gu- I guess he just had a, like a, a, a trimmed up mustache. I thought he kind of looked grizzly. He did look a little bear-like. Yeah. So uh, while they're all being held, the Duke of New York has his people go out and explain to the United States government their plan. What was their plan? So now that they have the president recaptured, they're going to all escape via the East 96th Street Bridge and uh, walk off New York into Jersey. And they're going to have the president there as a human shield. Uh, they can do this because the, the bridge is landmined, but Brain has a map at his house. Right. Uh, somebody rushes in and explains that Brain has re stolen the president. Right, right, right. But it's still kind of like, a, well, you know, Snake's right there. We should deal with them. But, uh, <laughs> well, we got pressing matters elsewhere. Yeah. So, uh, basically, he goes and reunites with Brain and then uh, Maggie and the president. And he takes them to the World Trade Center because that's where his stealth glider is. Yeah, he's going to glide off with it. But a bunch of just crazy people, which I guess, again, is just a facet of these movies. Yeah, I, I, I think they, people they let, just think prison is, like, filled with crazies, even though I, that's not accurate. Yeah, they just throw it off the roof of the World Trade Center, and we get the world's fakest-looking model shot. <laughs> Definitely the worst shot in the movie of, a, of, a gli- of, like, a toy glider comped into a green screen background of the World Trade Center. It's not... It's really weak. Like, I, I was hoping they'd show the bottom and like they show the model crash and, like, the plastic bits fly off. Someone's like, my model! <laughs> like, the guy rushes in to put out the fire. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. No, that's for the competition. I mean, it looks really bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's kind of hard to do that sometimes, but, I mean, the Dark... Wait, was it the Dark Knight? No, Batman Begins did a model scene, and actually it's like, you can't even tell. It's really hard to do. What scene one. was in the model? It was a model scene. Uh, the train scene. Really? Yeah, that looked, was a model scene. It looked really good. Yeah, like it was incredibly good, and like, and especially you know, since most people try to rely on CG, they, you know, instead of making it big, they made it small. Yeah, Chris Nolan did a great job. Then, if that's true, that's great. Yeah. Uh, does do you do you think that these are the same people that uh, they had to deal with in Cherry Two Thousand? Like they, yeah, they just have a bunch of barricades that are really long all that's all over the place. Oh my god, what if Cherry Two Thousand is the prequel to Escape from? Well, Cherry LA? Two Thousand was set in twenty seventeen. God damn! So Wait. clearly, it would be a sequel. Yeah, but there's also robots. There were also robots. <laughs> I didn't see any robots in Escape from NY. Is uh, there a possibility though? Yeah, 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> the B-movie cinematic universe. Thanks, John Carpenter. Yeah. Are there... <laughs> uh, after the, the fake model crashed to the ground, they end up uh, getting rescued by Cabby, and they're just going to make a big break for it across the bridge. I still don't get how Cabby got the, uh, the tape. Because so I know he treated it. That tape is like a little MacGuffin. And uh, the president says it's the secret to nuclear fusion. But later on, they put it in the cassette player, and it says something like, oh, it can cause mass amounts of, uh, of cellular damage, which leads me to believe that the president wanted the... T- they say the president wants the tape to, s- to create world peace. I think he was just going to threaten everybody with this, <laughs> is my guess. <laughs> I uh, got the tape. I got this tape, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the president's tape gets separated from him, and uh, a crazy guy, I can't remember the actor's name, but... Romero is the character's name. Right. He's just this insane Warhammer-looking dude with slicked-back, gelled-up hair. He grabs the tape, but Cabby trades him the tape for Cabby's hat. Cabby has the tape in his car. No, I, I got that. That's what I'm confused about. How does, like, a guy who sees value in this tape, you know, works for the Duke... I don't think that Romero had any idea what a cassette tape was. If you recall, when it falls out of the, the president's bag... He like picks it up and puts it to his ear for a second. <laughs> like he's are crazy people also dumb at the same time now. Romero didn't strike me as a as a bright bulb, <laughs> particularly bright. Candle. At least he didn't need it. Uh, when when they're start trying to escape though, uh, they don't have time to get the map that they're going to use, and they don't have time to go back to the to Brain's apartment because the Duke is in hot pursuit with his souped up limousine car that's pretty sweet it's a cadillac it is a cadillac yeah and it's got like a chandelier on the front which is so strange but you know what he's the duke he is the duke what am i what are you going to tell him (laughs) so unfortunately they hit a it's the part of the movie where they they need to get rid of all the characters you mean dump well i sure i guess this is a horror movie now well like in any thriller they've got too many bodies so in pretty rapid succession they they hit a pothole uh no they don't uh, they hit a landmine. Yeah. Cabby bites it. Uh, brains walking. Brain bites it. And then... Um, yeah, Ma- brain biting it was actually kind of hilarious. Yeah, it was really unexpected. Yeah. Uh, Maggie stands perfectly still in the minefield, uh, shooting at the Duke's car, and she gets hit and run over. Right. With the President and Snake running on foot, uh, they made it make it just barely to, to the big border wall. And Snake's not going to make it because the Duke shows up, but uh, luckily the President makes it over first. And shoots the Duke with, like, a, a machine gun that I guess he borrowed from a guard. I think it's just an emplacement. Because, it, it, like, it, it's a part of the wall. It's pretty great either yeah. way to see Do- Donald Pleasance is just having the time of his life <laughs> as the president. It's so much fun. And this is the line I'm referring to earlier where you could kind of, you could see the British accent coming out. You know, yeah, the Duke. Yeah, the Duke. Because the Duke earlier says, uh, call me number one. Who am I? I'm number one. I'm the Duke. And he just... <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. Donald Pleasance might as well be twirling a mustache or, like, fingering a monocle. It's... Yeah, no, straight. <laughs> it was, it was like, yeah. He would have been just fine if he was some kind of Victorian, Victorian nobleman taking revenge on a rival. It was great. Snake escapes, and they give him the cure. Uh, and he hands over the tape to the president, and it looks like he's, uh, his mission successful. But did they give him a cure? Um, I mean, they did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and the in the in the second one, spoiler alert, they quote unquote give him the cure. I guess I'll have to rewatch uh, Escape from L.A. at some point. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because they're like, oh, hey, 
the whole time you weren't under a threat. You just got the common cold. <laughs> and they're just like, what? Jesus. The whole time? You just gave me a cold? <laughs> uh, so they asked the snake. The president says, like, I'll give you whatever. You, here, let me try my Donald Pleasance voice. Mr. Snake, I'll give you whatever you please. Your heart's desire. Well, Mr. President, okay. I just want to leave the country. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm trying to think of who that was. That was more. Uh, that was more Eeyore, or Don, or maybe a low voice Don. Knotts no, it's there. definitely a Don. Not. No, no, no. It's Eeyore. Welcome back to uh, <laughs> Worlds of Tomorrow, the podcast about impressions past. I'm your host, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm, your, I'm your co-host, Devin. So with <laughs> anyway, the Donald Pleasant. Sorry, the president says something like, "What does he say?" He basically just promises him glory. Like, hey, I'll give you what you want. You also can be reinstated on the force. <laughs> so, uh, Hauk offers Snake a, a new job as a co-warden of, of New York prison. Which is kind of mind-boggling. Because he's kind of... No offense. He's against the government in all types of ways. And he's putting him in a very powerful position. I think Snake, like John Carpenter, is the absolute most anti-establishment figure I can think of like I I can't think of anybody else who has a, a more clear disdain for authority in this movie. But yeah. uh, so as Snake's walking away, um, we cut to the president uh, explaining the key, key to world peace, and uh, some big boogie starts playing from the cassette tape. Yeah, Snake's got the real one and he destroys it, and we uh, cut to credits. He did the did the right thing. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. Testing, one, two. Can we, have, we hear this? So we have turned on the air conditioner because it's like 90 degrees. Fuck it. Yeah, who cares? So, Devin, what'd they get wrong? New York proper is not a uh, crime state. In fact, it's not an island, although some of it could be considered an island, Pretty. of criminals. <laughs> yeah. Unless unless you're, you really hate New York. Because I've heard, you know, multiple older people from the Midwest say, like, New York fucking sucks. Or, That's true, yeah. Or, you know, plenty of other things. Or, Yankees! Yankees suck! Yeah. Crime hasn't risen 400%. And they probably wouldn't have cut off New York in, like, six, in like 10 years. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Only leaving one bridge that was also landmine. And then uh, also the computers. What were the computers like, Jared? I, I would describe them as the game Asteroids. <laughs> uh, I thought that the John Carpenter did a great job with effects for 81, but uh, by 97, we were running Windows 95. Uh, but we had, we had, we definitely had tech, but I mean, that's what every, everybody gets wrong in these movies, right? They either vastly underestimate or vastly overestimate the progression of technology. Right. So, uh, what else? Well, the Soviet Union isn't still around, uh, and they're not at war with China. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, early on, they described that the world is once again at war, and that the Soviet Union, China, and NATO seem to be in some sort of three-way struggle in Europe and Asia. It sounds pretty goddamn cool. So John Carpenter made this for, like, $4 million, so we didn't see any of that. A little cheap uh, back then. That was pretty stingy for 81 yeah. for a known director, but he, he got it done. Uh, unfortunately, the world building, you know, it goes to the side. This movie, I was kind of hoping would have more meat on it, but it's definitely an action movie. 
I mean, Carpenter himself even said that the, the magnetic tape doesn't actually matter what it is. It's, it's just a MacGuffin. He never thought about it. You mean there's no cyber eye underneath Pliskin's eye patch? What if there was? <laughs> <laughs> if only. The stealth glider? I mean, that's possible, so I guess that's still okay. Wouldn't that just be a glider? Yeah, but it's stealthy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. Oh, we did have gliders in the 90s. Yeah, we had plenty of those. One thing that uh, these movies also get wrong is, is crime, and we'll talk about that more in a sec. I do wonder if there's any movie that predicted like a drastic decrease in crime like we saw in real life. Oh, you mean like they were like, oh, crime is at an all-time zero. I mean, The Purge, I guess. You could look at it like that. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Uh, I think that this movie is just a... I mean, it's just an action movie, right? The Twin Towers, he couldn't have predicted that. Well, that was 2001. That's true. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, shit. Could have happened. Yeah, very true. Yeah. But, you know, it's an action movie through and through. Uh, there are a couple cool moments of world building, like uh, a deleted scene where he steals from Fort Knox early on and defeats a bunch of magnetic sensors. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, but those those ultimately aren't really relevant to the film. Clear, clearly, it's like, repel, repel. What did they get right, Devin? I'm asking you now. The tables are turned. <laughs> That's not what we just planned. <laughs> uh, well, well, uh, and everything goes according J- to... Jer, what did they get right? Um, the Twin Towers are... Shit! <laughs> that doesn't work! No, I mean, it's an action movie. What? The, I, I don't know if they got any predictions right, except that uh, wireframe graphics still look cool in the 90s. Are you sure that's the only thing they got right? Are you sure there isn't a warden of, uh, of New York proper... So, what does all this tell us? Well, uh, the idea is pretty dark. The remnants of a Manhattan turned into a federal prison. Reviews at the time didn't really see much of a social message. Uh, I mean, in fact, uh, the New York Times said, Escape from New York is not to be analyzed too solidly. It's toughly told, a very tall tale, and one of the best escape and escapist movies of the season. Prison Island uh, was pretty implausible when you think about it. Pretty much nobody suggested the idea as plausible, much less palatable. Uh, But uh, Violent Crimes was very much on the public's mind during the film's production in 1980. Last year, 1980, was the worst year of crime in New York City history. There were more murders, robberies, burglaries, and thefts than in any previous year. It represents a 14.3% increase from 1979. As we've probably stated a little bit, but not too much, the crime did rise, uh, but it rose mostly in the 70s and the 90s. The crack cocaine epidemic blended with urban blight and deindustrialization, tough on crime platforms of the Reagan years, uh, really meant that punishments and prison populations increased alongside rising crime. However, we didn't need a prison city. Around 1990, the trend peaked and then started to decline. The reasons are complicated, and suggestions ranging from legalized abortion to declining lead poisoning to lower alcohol content. Writer Stephen Dubner even suggested that video games in the era became so addictive that youth crime plummeted. But uh, 20 years prior, nobody predicted such dramatic declines. The perception at the time uh, was of a spike in violence. Um, And it's pretty evident. Uh, Looking at newspaper archives, it it feels like nobody was safe. For some reason, the 70s were the decade of the serial killer. All the big hits, like John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy, started in the 70s. 
media latched onto the trend in plenty of movies, including John Carpenter's own Halloween, depicted mass killings. Um, this is actually studied in communications, really. Um, it's called Mean World Syndrome. Mean um, World Syndrome, huh? Yes. Uh, so it's basically the media uh, takes a hold of, you know, this idea that the world is a cruel place and uh, that they're trying to show you how bad it is and really scare you into not going outdoors, not really being a participant in the community or society. Um, of course, it's not really proven to be that effective um, to a certain degree. It's still very much prevalent because, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had a parent tell you, oh, that's dangerous out there, don't go there. I'm sure every parent has ever done that, but it's only slight. It's never a hundred percent. It's no. It's not totalitarian. It's just like, oh, be careful. It's dangerous out there. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but for every trend in the media, there's a reaction. Uh, Death Wish, uh, another film, uh, was all about violent vigilante justice on serial killers, uh, also gangs. Uh, family shows like Good Times tried to deal with muggings. Uh, martial art classes ballooned with new students. So we've got rising crime. Why New York City? Well, let's not forget how many shows were filmed in New York. Uh, you know, Barney Miller in the 70s and the 80s. Hot shows, often bringing in gritty and grimy look to the big screen. Um, specifically movies like Midnight Cowboy, Serpico, Shaft, Taxi Driver, The Warriors, The Jeffersons. Well, some of those are TV, too. But Let's not forget Rumble in the Bronx, the 1995 Jackie Chan movie. Classic. I remember those hill scenes. <laughs> Beautiful. In short, a fascist police state, World War III, and a prison island might have been unlikely to audiences in 1981, but they were probably closer than The Thing. Thank you, John Carpenter. Thanks a bunch. Yeah. All the action scenes are unfortunately suffer the same problems that make the long dialogue scene so great like every shot is filmed perfectly but they're often in these really long beautiful takes and because john had no budget for reshoots or retakes it means that every fight scene is like pretty quick and not always super impressive yeah but i mean like compared to these days and like these movies going on right now it's i don't think long dialogue scenes are all that bad anymore after after seeing you know not to take away from jason statham or clive owen or anything some of their uh dialogue scenes are almost too quick not enough characterization i think we really get a feel for all the characters in the movie one other complaint i had was that the king of new york who is incredibly charismatic is played by isaac hayes never gets a great confrontation with any of the characters I mean, sure, we see a scene where he's shooting at the president, which is pretty awesome, since he's, like, using his boot to balance the gun, like you said. Yeah. And sure, we get, like, a quick tussle at the very end, but it's really quick. Yeah, I mean, it's just really him trying to be this um, skeleton of a of a bad guy, almost. Like, you don't really get the meat of it. You just see that he is a bad guy because right. of all his wants. Wouldn't it have been great if, like, uh, like when they were wrestling or somewhere before... He tries to convince Snake that he has the cure to the Almost virus. Bargain with them. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a virus, was it? Well, that's right. It was like a. It was like I don't remember what it was. Yeah, it was like some bomb or something. Yeah, like if he says to Snake, like I know you hate the authority, I do too. I would have been great. Yeah, it would have been a sweet kickoff line for Snake to say right before the dude gets shot by uh, the president. Oh yeah. I think I. I honestly think there was like a missed opportunity for Snake to say something. Man. I agree. I feel like John Carpenter never winks at the audience in this movie, and. I think that's a good thing, but 
considering that the rest of the movie has maybe not it's aged well but it's aged into a cheesier movie than it was when it came out looking at all the cg or the idea of a prison island or snake's appearance as a cool dude with with an eye patch and a super tight shirt i don't know just a just an admission that it's a cheesy movie i don't know no i i i kind of agree with our action heroes these days and age it's 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 so cheesy sometimes um but like they don't realize it and it kind of gets angering maybe that's a hindsight thing like uh john carpenter didn't realize he was making a cult classic like if this if this was not a cult classic and just like a classic movie it wouldn't have been good and that's what he was making he was trying to make a big blockbuster uh not like a b movie which might have been able to get away with a a ridiculous one-liner yeah i didn't think about it like that that's pretty interesting actually last thing did you notice that all those shots were not day for night they were all night for night. How'd they do that? I, I don't know. I mean, I would think that it. I mean, it's supposed to be the twenty-two hours, right? So it's supposed to only be one night. Whoa! But what? Yeah, that doesn't make well, sense. Well, there's a morning, but they're all held captive during that morning. Oh right, yeah, that is. But I'm just saying, like all those day for night. I, I they. I don't know if they did any day for night shots. They must have all done that night for night, and that must have been like, such a pain to film. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I wonder how much it was in the studio then. I don't know. I was told most of it was done in St. Louis, but well, like St. Louis, well, like St. Louis had like a fire or something the year before, so they had lots of abandoned space. Right. But then, like, they still have to get all the. Did trash. they use Prut Igo? <laughs> yeah, that was, well, that was Detroit, but no, was it St. Louis? No, that was like Missouri. Okay, it would have been great if yeah, like all that trash. I wonder, did they just leave the trash when they finished filming? <laughs> <laughs> it's not our, it's not our responsibility. Yeah, like like the like, like the remains of Air Force One, they just leave out there. <laughs> The act, it was the actual retired Air yeah. Force One. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't have anywhere else to put it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, great movie. Yeah. Uh, A-plus all the way. So, uh, Jay Wong, I hear uh, we're planning a uh, event. We've got a raffle coming up. A raffle? Absolutely. Uh, wow, how could we afford that with our budget? Um, it's eating deep into the budget. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but anybody could win. It's so easy to enter. How, uh, how do you enter? Well, all you have to do is tweet to us and follow us. That's at Futures Past Cast on Twitter. Or you can tweet about the show using the hashtag Futures Past. Yeah. Um, why, why not we add in uh, iTunes review this yeah. month only? Leave an iTunes review, five stars, the appropriate number of stars. That really helps us get the word out. Um, that sounds like extortion now. Well, it's 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 just anybody who does it at all, just any of those okay, things. Okay. In fact, send us an email. Yeah, send us an email to to what w o t futurespastcast at gmail and let us know what you think about the show. It could be the worst review. You could be a jerk to us as long as it's five stars. So uh, it, if they email us a bad review but still give us five stars, listen, any just do anything you want, and you'll get a sizable gift card to Applebee's. At random, among all the people who do that, in effect, it won't be the Applebee's. Let's kick it up a notch. Let's make it a multi-role, a multifunctional, multi-mode gift card. Good for chilies, macaroni grill, uh, or even the Olive Garden. So all Midwest restaurants. Yeah, fuck Applebee's. <laughs> They're not paying us nothing. Neither, neither, is, neither is Olive Garden. But all you got to do that, do that, and you'll be entered into our drawing to to get that sweet, sweet pasta pass. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah, man, sign me up. I want that garlic bread. Speaking of uh, garlic bread, what do we got coming up next week? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think it's time to do a classic, although I guess most of these are classics. 2001, A Space Odyssey. 
I'm excited. Um, I am so ready for this. What does that have to do with uh, garlic bread, Devin? Um, well, if they... You know what? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of yes and, we've gone with... Uh, wait a minute. This isn't my fault. Yeah. <laughs> you dug this hole. <laughs> Don't involve me in this shit. <laughs> yep. All right. So thanks a lot for listening. Uh, our uh, our interstitial music this week was done by Mont Plaisir. As, as always, please uh, give us a good rating on iTunes. Yeah, um, especially if you want that sweet cheddar. <laughs> uh, tweet us at uh, Futures Past Cast. And, uh, you know, if you want to just talk to us, uh, you can just find us on uh, our Twitter. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Devin Kelly. I'm Jet Wong. And this was World of Tomorrow. Well, we have a sign-off, but we're not going to do it anymore. No, fuck that. <laughs> have a good night. <laughs>